Welcome to this week's edition of the Hot Topics podcast, the place where the global thinkers, innovators and disruptors come to share their thought leadership on the fast-moving tech ecosystem. I am Jack Kirchman and unfortunately, as you can probably hear from my voice, I am slightly ill. Don't worry, it is just a cold and I'll be back to full health next week for our interview with John Scully, the ex-CEO of Pepsi and Apple. And believe you me, it is a fantastic episode. However, in this week's episode, we're focusing on ride-sharing and the power it can have to really transform cities. Jorge Pilo is the co-CEO of Easy Taxi, one of the largest taxi hailing services in the world. And he walked me through the potential benefits and started with a story of how Easy Taxi came to be. So Easy Taxi started in Rio de Janeiro, so a great, a lovely place to start. And it started through Startup Weekend, right? So uh, the team had the idea originally to build an app to navigate public transportation. I want to go from A to B, which bus should I take? When is the bus passing through here? Um, and they started building that. And then the, the guys from the Startup Weekend said, guys, Google is already building that. So you don't want to compete about, against, against Google. So it, they were very disappointed. They started thinking, oh, what should we do? They, start, they were leaving, actually, the venue, and it was raining. And they couldn't get a taxi. So it was, it was crazy traffic. They couldn't get a taxi in the street. And they realized, this is exactly what we want to build. And that's kind of the, how Easy Taxi started, how the idea came, uh, came about. They, so they sold a car. With that, car. with that money, they bought a couple of smartphones to start doing the testing. And, and they developed from there, right, with the initial challenges of how do you convince a driver to buy a smartphone? All the drivers had feature phones, and you want them to migrate to a, to a smartphone, which is a big investment. Um, initially, for example, an interesting fact was they would go to hotels in Rio, to, to, to get um, foreigners to order the cabs uh, via, the, via the phone. And so all the initial uh, passengers were tourists. So drivers thought that Easy Taxi was this international company that Europeans and Americans used when it was actually a, a real company. Right. And um, it's been growing from there, always a focus in Latin America. We're now in pretty much every country from Mexico down. And we are the regional player in Latin. It's quite, it's quite an amazing story. I mean... Uh... I mean, you mentioned there at the beginning about kind of uh, how you, know, you were told that Google are building something already. How do, you, I mean, how, how do you come back from that? I mean, obviously, it's difficult hearing someone say, actually, you know, this is being done somewhere else. I mean, how do you stay laser-focused in a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, in this case, what happened was they, they decided to build something different. And it was, it's fun because now they thought at that time they were the only company doing that worldwide. I mean, later on, they learned other guys had, do, had done it, right? Um, but... In the case when you find someone else is doing it, you have to understand that the idea is just 1%. 99% is the effort, is the execution. So yes, maybe Google was doing something similar. You really want to focus on, can I do this better than they can? Google's going to do this in the entire world. Is this something that you can localize better? So the taxi business, for example, is a city business. A taxi in Sao Paulo is different from a taxi in, in Lima. It's different from a taxi in, in Bogota. So can you localize better than them? Do you have the knowledge to make the solution better for your passengers than someone who's taking a global approach? Yeah, so what are the kind of uh, biggest trends that you foresee uh, kind of in public transportation in cities? So right now, it's, it's the, the big trend everyone's talking about is sharing, right? So how do I uh, get people, so how do I match demand and supply so that people stop using their car, leave it at home, and you maximize the use of, of, this, of these taxis? Okay, and, and what we see is, well, with this platform we built, we're trying, we manage to get passengers and taxis connected in such a way that uh, taxis are now working 30% less and making 30% more because they don't have to be standing in a corner waiting for someone to show up. 
to show up or just driving around empty. So that's, that's the first step, connecting people. Now we're moving towards the next step, which is how to actually provide you with the best taxi for you. So maybe you're someone that is willing to take a very nice car, but you're, waiting, you're willing to wait longer for that. Maybe in a different situation, you actually want to have a car right away. You're in a real hurry. I don't mind which car it is. So how do you actually tailor your application for the right moment for the person? And of course, then you have the other thing, which is maximization of the ride. So is one car, um, can, can one car take more people inside? So how do you make that happen? These are things we're looking into for the future, and uh, um, there's a great opportunity there, there still. Well, it's interesting because, I, I, I mean, if we take Sao Paulo as an example, I mean, it's, I, I believe it's one of the most congested cities in the world, right? I mean, how do you see an app like Easy Taxi or just ride-sharing sort of uh, apps in general really reducing the amount of congestion in cities? Yeah, so the first thing is um, matching passengers and drivers. As I mentioned, initially, drivers were just driving around looking for a fare. So you, you increase the amount of cars in the city, the amount of cars driving around. And also the, the inconvenience of getting a taxi was, was so high that people preferred to drive. So just by creating this platform, I've been able to provide you with a safe, reliable, and fast car or, or, or taxi. We reduce the number of, of people driving from home to, to work. We reduce the number of taxis driving around empty. So those, these are the first steps which already have a huge impact on, on reducing congestion in a city. And then, Jack, moving forward, then you have data. Now, we know how the traffic is in pretty much every city in Latin America because we have drivers moving. So when you have this data, you can do a lot of amazing things. We can tell from where to where is traffic going, where are the hot spots uh, of, of transportation. Oh, you know, this is the area where people are moving from, from, uh, strongly from A to B at, at a particular time and from B to A in a different time of the day. So how can you use this to work, for example, together with the city on setting up uh, bus lanes or for us to actually funnel supply to that area at a particular time. So there's still a lot of data that can be used actually to further optimize the transportation. So do you, do you think initiatives like yours are really feeding into this whole smart city concept? Absolutely. Yeah. So cities have a lot of people movement, have a lot of, uh, uh, of cars moving, but they don't have yet enough data. Or at least in Latin America, there's a lot of, not enough data that uh, cities have to make smart decisions regarding traffic. So um, by connecting passengers and drivers and by tracking uh, drivers in general, we reduce the amount of cars in the city and we produce data that can be used to further optimize routes. So we work to very closely together with, uh, with the cities in different countries. We are also discussing things with, with larger organizations to start making this data available and digest, uh, digest a little bit this data to make smarter decisions. Yeah, so I, I mean, I remember when I was speaking to, to Dennis a few months ago, uh, you had just sort of finalized a partnership with Waze. With Waze or the World Waze. Bank? Waze. Ah, Waze, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I suppose that, that sort of fits into the same concept as well, right? Exactly, and now, for example, we also, we, we just launched a partnership with Move It. So Move It is a, is a very large app for navigation uh, inside the city using public transportation. So they would tell you, take a bus and take the subway afterwards. And now they actually tell you take a taxi as well. So you have this person that uh, went downstairs, is taking a, is, and is usually taking the bus going, going, to, going to the office and realized, I'm too late now. I actually need to get a taxi. So now uh, we are actually plugging ourselves into this new trans into these new passengers that before were hailing someone off the street. Now they can choose 
subway, bus, and uh, even even taxis. So we're actually looking into this 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 um, different sources of, of passengers to make it even easier for them to 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 move from A to B. Do you think do you think uh, in the in the business ecosystem that acting in a collaborative manner is you know it's the way forward? Is really striking up partnerships with people? Yeah, absolutely. So you have to understand what is your core, what is it that you're good at, and um, see who you can who can help you actually reach other places. Mm -hmm. I think in, in now in this in this day and age that speed is so relevant. You have to understand that you have to focus on what you're good and then find who's the, right, who's the best partner to help you move forward. Um, trying to do everything on your own um, ends up uh, making you deliver a service that is just mediocre. So you have to, have to have a strategy. Hey, this is what I'm focused on. This is my way forward. And here I'm going to need someone to help me here, here, here. Of course, you have to have a core. You cannot just outsource everything because then you just become a, 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 hollow, a hollow company. Uh, but once you have that, that understood, you have to understand, okay, what are the other things I don't need to do and I'm just going to partner? Okay. Perhaps a, a slightly more difficult question and one that is maybe close to your heart. Uh, so obviously Uber, right? Yeah. You, you probably get this a lot. Uh, Uber, you know, obviously biggest taxi service in the world. How do you stay competitive in, in an ecosystem where, they're, you know, where, where they are so dominating, especially in Europe? Sure. And, and the US? So there's a couple of things that, that, that uh, make us uh, be successful in competing Uber, right? You have to understand, we fight Uber every day. Uber is in Brazil, in Chile, in Peru, in Colombia, and we're bigger than them. We're three to five times the size of Uber in all these countries. Um, and our approach has been one of localization, right? So we know how the passenger of Bogota behaves. We know what the passenger Lima wants. And we are able uh, to um, make a solution that fits that approach. Um, Uber has a, a global approach, and while they're fighting China and they're fighting in, in India and the U.S., um, they don't have the capability to also localize it. We have the capability to localize and provide a product there that fits. Additionally, we, we have enough supply in the system. We are able to, produ to provide you with a ride very fast at a very good uh, at a very good. Um, uh, quality. So we provide a service that is so good that people don't have to really um, try somewhere else. So we work with the taxi in industry in the cities and we actually use any other mode of transportation or uh, cars transportation that is legal. So we are very adaptable. In Sao Paulo, for example, we work with only taxis. In Mexico City, private cars are legal as well. So we work with both of them. In Lima, uh, we work uh, with private cars because it's an unregulated market and we're very dynamic in this sense and we've been successful in this and providing enough supply enough quality supply for demand that keeps us growing okay final question um, what advice would you have for, for a business or a startup who's looking to uh, really expand internationally so I think international expansion um, has to focus on two things execution and the right people so having the best team actually to to help you uh, enter a new market is key. So our approach has been, who do we have in Peru? Who do we have in Colombia? Who do we have in Chile that understands the market and is excellent? That is actually, I think, the number one uh, recommendation you can have, having the right people on the ground. Um, of course, there's also the point on, does, the, does this idea fit to that market? Um, and if we have an idea that is, um, that is uh, general enough, like for example, sharing, sharing rides or, or sharing and connecting drivers and passengers, that should be taken care of. And then you have to find the right people in that city, in that country to build that. Great. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
That is all for this week, and I'd just like to thank you very much for listening. Here's a small reminder to keep your ears peeled for next week's episode with John Scully, the ex-Apple and Pepsi CEO. However, if you can't wait that long and you'd like more content, videos and podcasts, head over to hottopics.ht.